You are listening to the You Got Jobbed podcast. This is episode 28. Welcome to the You Got Job podcast. This is Suzanne Yegley. And uh, why don't I, can you introduce yourself, guest? Sure. Um, I'm Rachel Burke, uh, currently in Brooklyn, New York. Nice. Um, I can never figure out a smooth way to have the, like, I can never decide if I should introduce you for yourself or if I should just let you say it or how to do that. Anyway, someday I'll be a real professional. Um, <laughs> So I interviewed you in 2012 about a job that maybe you had a long time ago. I don't know. So tell me about that job. Sure. Uh, When I was 13 years old, I was the apprentice to a lampshade maker. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were 13. This is like the second person. Well, I interviewed a guy a few weeks ago who was... um, he worked at a cemetery and I didn't realize that when I interviewed him, he was only 16. I mean, when I interviewed you, you were a bit older, but I didn't realize this job was when you were 13. That's awesome. Okay. Sorry. So you you worked for a lampshade factory, a lampshade store. What was it? I worked for a lampshade shop. So basically it was a one woman factory. The lampshade lady is named Judy Lake and it's called Lake's Lampshades. And I worked for her small shop in Vermont, in rural Vermont. Yes. And how'd you get this job? I got it because I was, my mom's an artist and she always loves crafting. We love crafting together. And so we have a house in Vermont and I've been going there since I was a kid. And so we did, there was a work, there's a lampshade shop in this small town where we live. And there's, it's a very small village, you know, there's like a town hall, a library, a restaurant, a lampshade shop, of course. And so we decided to take a class because there was a make your own lampshade class. And so we went in and we're with maybe about like five middle-aged women. And then there was me, 13-year-old Rachel, and I made I, we were making a lampshade. Judy was showing us how to make it. And my mom and I had kind of gone in the shop for years. We knew Judy for a while, but had never made one ourselves. And then I, I made one basically faster than any of the other ladies. And I finished like an hour or two before and they were all still fumbling around. My mom, she's dexterous with crafting, but still I was like the fastest one. And it was kind of like, I realized I had the power. Like I was like, <laughs> Wow, I am, I am a lampshade maker. Like, <laughs> wait, how did it? Isn't it just so? When I picture making a lampshade, I'm like, okay, you just take a piece of paper and like wrap it in a circle and glue the ends or something. Like, what was it? One of those? Or the only other thing I can think of is one where it's like um, folded, right? So it looks like a fan, kind of. Right, right, yeah. It a lot of Judy does a lot of lampshades. You know, barrel ones are the ones that are kind of all the way around just one piece of fabric and then there's ones with like panels on the side that'll have like four different kind of trapezoid patterns and 
it kind of requires a lot of intricacy and Judy kind of makes a lot with, you know, recycled tablecloths or handkerchiefs and like really one of a kind pieces. So this particular workshop was, you could bring in any fabric you wanted, any ribbon, and then Judy would supply the rest. Like there's a kind of a skeleton that every lampshade needs, which is like the wires that hold it all together. And then you can sort of piece the special paper that goes onto a lampshade and the fabric that you want and the trim to cover up all the fabric ends and whatnot. So there's, it's very intricate and that's just the lampshade. That's not even getting into the lamp here. We're not even at that level yet. <laughs> but, so what was uh, your first lampshade like? Was it pretty simple or, I mean, how, and how many, it's taking other people hours to do it. What, what's going on there? Yeah, I, I think that it, it just, I had experienced a lot of crafting and I knew how to sew from a very young age. So I was like very, nimble at it but um and then it, it, a lot of women were just interested in making a lampshade for their house but didn't necessarily have like artistic experience and they did a great job but they just took a long a long time um and i don't know maybe my small hands helped me as a 13 year old but mine was just it had like polka dots on one side and like paisley on the other and it was just all different patterns that were really bright colors but they all went together nicely and then I put it in my room at home and I was it was really small and I was just like proud as a peacock but it was a lot of fun and I had a kind of moment where I was like everyone looked at me when I finished and they were they had all their scraps like still not put together and I, it was like you're a wizard Harry like I felt like I became a lampshade maker at that moment and then I thought it would be awesome to work there I never had a job and I like fantasized about my first job like working in an ice cream store or doing something cool and I realized that I could ask Judy for a job because I knew her and I knew she knew I did a good job and so after the workshop I asked her if I could help her out in the store and she said yes and she hadn't had an employee before so I was like the first one, I think maybe the only one ever. So uh, I was the Lampshade Ladies Apprentice for uh, a little bit as a preteen. <laughs> Do you still have that lampshade that you made? Yes, I still have it. My mom has it on a lamp at home where I'm from in Massachusetts. <laughs> nice. We need a picture. Could you send me a picture, you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'll be proud to. <laughs> <laughs> and um all right so and is she still there is the store still there oh yeah judy is still making lampshades she's been doing it for decades and she is uh still there in paulet vermont it's a it's a and she now she sells like all over the world online she's very popular and people people come to paulet from all over just to get one of her lampshades and she distributes to a lot of places. So she she's has a booming booming business over there of lampshade making. What's even without people oh, yeah. without me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, but all right. So we uh what um oh what's the name of it again? Lakes Lampshade. Like oh, Lakes. Lakes Lampshade, right, right. Judy Lake. Okay. <laughs> so you think she makes a full time living at this, huh? I think so. Yeah, I think she does well. A lot of people, she's done this for so long that so many people know about her lampshades that 
you know, I think she can sort of put them into different stores and sell them online to enough people that, that want them. Mm -hmm. A lot of lights out there in the world, and they need their lampshades. That's a good point. You never think about it. You just like, yeah, I never think about it. Um, mm -hmm. So how long did you work there? I worked there for, I think, a couple of months. It was one summer, and then it was sort of a thing when whenever I had school off, I would come to Vermont and work for a few days, you know, over Thanksgiving or December this summer so it was kind of on and off for maybe a year yeah so what'd you do there what kind of stuff did you do at the shop I would open the shop and uh, I would take custom orders over the phone Judy would give me kind of projects to do all day so she would say like can you make these three identical lampshades or can you make this big giant one I also yeah I used to answer the phone tell people what the hours were take messages for Judy and then I also learned how to rewire lamps. So Judy often will take like antique lamps that are at like yard sales and they're beautiful, but you can't really do anything with them because the insides don't work anymore. But because they're so beautiful and they're worth reusing, Judy learned how to rewire lamps. So she'll redo the inner mechanisms and whatnot and make them in working order so you can have a cool antique lamp. And she also takes like old bottles or stacks of stones and drills holes in them and makes kind of repurposes other things into lamps. So I did a little bit of lamp rewiring and she taught me sort of how to be an electrician. And yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool skill to learn. And thought maybe, you know, it's something every man lo loves in a woman. So someday I can use it. <laughs> so you've never had to rewire a lamp? Like I've had lamps break and then I just kind of throw them away because I don't know how to fix them. So you think you crack it open and try to figure it out? Oh, 100%. I could definitely, I could rewire a lamp for sure. I haven't had to like in my own personal life because all my lamps have been going pretty well so far, yeah. but I totally could, and I, I would love to. One time my husband, uh, we moved into a house together, and we had to put in, like, light fixtures over the bed, like, in the bedroom, on the bedroom ceiling. You know, there was, like, a really hideous light fixture, and we wanted to replace it, and so my dad was trying to show my husband how to do that, and my husband was just like, oh, I have no interest in this, but then he kind of <laughs> learned it, and then, like, our next house, he totally did all the light fixtures and was, like, super proud, and I was like, yes, thank you, and hopefully our house won't catch fire, but <laughs> he did it himself. It does seem like oh. the kind of thing where if you don't do it right, that's not good. Yes, absolutely. I know. I, it's definitely a nerve-wracking thing because you're dealing with some un, electricity is kind of out there and you're like, what does it do? What is it? But I think I, I don't know. I felt like I had a good grip on it. And Judy is very, uh, a very good teacher and she has been doing it for years. So I was like, okay, I, I got this, you know? <laughs> nice. I just picture, and I picture the store being like just hundreds of lampshades, and is it dusty in there? I just picture, who's dusting all these lampshades? <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred lampshades all stacked. They're all teetering, and it's so cool. You just walk in, and it's like a forest of lampshades, and they're all gorgeous, and you think you see like one beautiful one, but then there's another one, and 
Uh, there's usually, Judy has like a pet in there. Usually um, when I worked there, she had a dog named Odie, named after Garfield. And he was a sweet pup and it was a nice little guy to have in there as a coworker. <laughs> and then, yeah, just kind of like different projects all over her desk. And the lampshade shop is an adorable cottage and it's painted pink right now, just picturesque and has wildflowers in the front and it's just an adorable spot and the place you would want to buy a lampshade if you walked in (laughs) (laughs) it's true you probably are like you probably if you just walked in there for fun you'd suddenly be like i have to have a lampshade at least one if not more oh 100 percent. if not a lamp and all the accessories i have a fact because i know when i listen to podcasts sometimes i like to learn new things about the world Mm-hmm. And a finial is the sort of brooch, the sort of knob on top of a lamp that you twist and it holds like the lampshade on top. Right. So that's a little fact I, I learned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the word finial, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just one of those random home decor words. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. When you've said the word finial, I'm like, that sounds really familiar. And then when you explain what it was, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's true. It's not a word. You know, I was just telling somebody the other day, this isn't really related, but I, it wasn't until my mid-20s that I learned that um, pickles are actually cucumbers. Did you know that? <laughs> I did. I did. But that's, it's pretty mind-blowing when you find it out. <laughs> it was, it was, I found it out in a really embarrassing way, too. Like, I was at work and somebody, I, we were talking about unicorns being real, and then somebody meant, or I don't know, or somebody mentioned that cucumbers or that pickles were cucumbers and I was like yeah yeah and unicorns are real and they just laughed at me and they were like haha and I I thought I was kidding and then I realized never mind (laughs) anyway that's a riot oh my gosh all right and so you said this lady had a book right do you remember that yes uh Judy wrote a book called the lampshade lady's guide to lighting up your life so it's a how-to on how to make a lot of her lampshades so if anyone wants to make a lampshade of their own they can uh make one through that book and uh it's basically sort of like the workshop i did so all right so anything else that people should know about the lampshade i think the lampshade store we might have covered it all (laughs) let's see i think what kind of did she play music in there was it a situation where you got tired of the music like sometimes I've worked at places where they just play country music the whole time and by the end of the day I want to kill myself (laughs) I think that well she used to have I'm not sure what the situation is now I'm sure Judy's more high tech but there used to be a lot of CDs in there and I could just kind of play on her boombox any CDs I wanted so I remember playing OAR in there and mostly just, I don't know, I was very serious and wanted to do a good job. So I don't think I played much music in there because I was nervous about people calling or people coming in, concentrating on making the perfect lampshade and not messing it up since it was someone's order for Judy. So I think I was kind of very focused and like didn't want to make any mistakes. So I still, I still am like that, but yeah, I think a little OAR, but mostly, mostly silence, I'd say, when I was in there by myself, anyway. Yeah, I can totally, my mom used to have a little gift shop in Pennsylvania, and she sold, um, like, Yankee candles and um, chocolates, 
and uh, give cards and art and stuff like that. And I would work there and I remember feeling the same way, just like very like, you know, well, especially when you're there by yourself and you're so young and you're just like, I'm in charge. I better, you know, I don't know, be doing something productive. And yeah. And the only thing that I would do that was probably bad was I would eat a lot of the chocolate. (laughs) She said, you can have a little bit of the chocolate because it was like one of those kinds where it's like in a case and people can buy individual chocolates, you know, and you weigh it for them and everything. So I would just pop like non-pareils in my mouth all day and it was not good, but she forgave me, I guess. I don't know. And I'm sure you felt like such a badass doing it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I think it was more, well, I worked for my family. My dad did construction. I worked for his business too. So I feel like it was a step up from working for my dad's office because there weren't like dudes with muddy boots like tromping through all the time or I don't know I I just felt like relieved that I could just that it smelled pretty it smelled you know like candles and anyway (laughs) that's awesome that's a good good first job for yourself (laughs) yeah yeah my dad's place was pretty crazy um so let's see so did um is so you still go to Vermont is Vermont like did you ever see that show New Heart I have not (gasps) oh my god it's out on DVD now we kind of it's uh anyway it's just about vermont it's kind of funny oh dang i should watch it i i love i love anything about vermont so <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it's just plain old new heart and it's they own a lodge in vermont and they're from new york so they kind of have a different perspective on the locals and but they're it's really funny oh nice yeah um okay so then at the end of this interview you mentioned like um, I remember when we talked now, you, it was something about, wasn't there some Jason Biggs movie and a polar bear? Is that what that was? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? What was that about? Well, I was the assistant to a director of this movie for a summer. And the premise of the film was talking about grassroots politics. It was called grassroots. It was an amazing film very pertinent to right now, actually, with a lot of people lighting a fire under their butts to get involved in politics right now. But I worked on the movie, and there's a big theme in the movie about sort of environmental change and wanting to do better for the environment in cities. And and even though it's a comedy, um, it talks about the environment in a funny way and sort of pushes people to make change in their local government and starting small through their small communities. And so one of the characters dresses up in a polar bear suit and sort of storms the local government office in this suit. He's the one running for running for office. And it's just he's kind of a non-traditional candidate. And it's based on a true story that happened in Seattle. And so I to promote the movie, I had to walk around New York with a man in a polar bear suit. And so (laughs) it was very bizarre. They needed someone for the polar bear suit. So they asked me if I knew anyone. And my friend Heath helped me out and he was tall enough for the suit. And so Heath and I walked around New York with the director of the film, Stephen Gyllenhaal. And we tried to get people to come to the premiere because we wanted to get sort of some local we had some local government 
people coming to the premiere and wanted to get some new faces in there. And so, and just publicize it by filming a polar bear walking around New York City. So I basically had to walk around with a polar bear and I didn't know what was weirder being the polar bear walking around New York City or the girl who's walking around with the polar bear. So that was my next job. That was one of my next jobs after working in the lampshades job. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so many questions. I actually, so you said it's, it's, so it's um, a fictional account or it's based on a true story? Yeah, the movie's based on a true story that happened in Seattle. Huh, I wonder how I don't know about that. That's weird. I do, yeah. there, there's a guy, um, I do know there's a guy who always runs for office here and his name is he legally changed his name to good space guy and he's always on the ballot like there's always good space guys on the ballot I think he's been running for like 15 years I don't know who he is but anyway um that's probably not the same thing but um so you're what kind of things so you, and and oh also you said Gyllenhaal he's no relation to the other Gyllenhaals that are famous is he yeah he's actually Jake and Maggie's father so oh. they're all intermingled in the movie business but yeah, the movie is based on a book by a guy named Phil Campbell, and it's talking about a sort of an underdog who decides to run for Seattle City Council against an incumbent who wants to kind of make big changes in the city, and Phil wants to make a monorail happen, and he really, really wants this public transit to happen because it will make a lot of great change for the city, including jobs and sort of community and better changes environmentally. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of decides to go to the more disenfranchised groups and like he goes to a skater park to recruit people in the movie, or he goes to like a college and talks to students and sort of, less of the big names who are giving money and more of the people who would normally get involved in grassroots. And he, because he's an underdog, he can get more people involved. So it was a really inspiring story and it's super awesome. And it's definitely stayed in my mind and helped me to be very politically active in my own life. So it's, it's a great story. I highly recommend it to everyone. Well, now that you said that, I just had this sort of Oh, feeling. I remember the the place where the skate park used to be is now um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's like this huge building. And I totally forgot until you said that, that that used to be a skate park. It used to be like this sort of rundown parking lot, half skate park thing. Anyway, huh? the city has <laughs> totally changed. I mean, my neighborhood is now just Amazon.com and just thousands and thousands of people are moving here for Amazon and... Uh, it's just getting hectic anyway, but I guess it's, I don't know, it's good for people to be living and working downtown as opposed to commuting, but it seems mm -hmm. like a lot of people are commuting too because traffic is bad everywhere. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> so, um, but and any weird experiences just walking around the city with a polar bear? It's like, what do you say? I think it'd be better to be the polar bear because at least your face is not, you're not like, hello. <laughs> But I guess if you have a director of a film, that's a pretty cool thing. Like you're like, hey, how did you get How did you even find that job? Well, I guess, well, as for experiences, you asked walking around the city. I remember we walked past the Central Park Zoo and kind of like waved to the animals <laughs> with the polar bear suit, which is pretty goofy. And then 
I remember, I think in Washington Square Park, there was like a wedding happening and then they all decided to take pictures with the polar bear. And I can send you a picture of that. It was so cute. So there's just this random polar bear and all these beautiful wedding photos. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very New York. It's very New York, you know, to have that in your wedding photos. Totally, totally. And then, um, sorry, what was your next question? Oh, I think it was just like, how did you even find that? Like you, you see, you were 13, you're going back and forth from Vermont, or then you just, did you just move to Brooklyn and then need to find a job or? Well, I actually, that, the, this polar bear gig was a few years later when I was in college and Stephen Gyllenhaal went to my college and he gives back a lot to the school and he was coming to show the movie and I sort of kept in touch with him and he, uh, had a position opening to be his assistant on this movie premiere in New York. And I had seen the movie already because he premiered it earlier at my college and then was able to help him out and sort of coordinate that, coordinate the Q&As with him and the audience. And I also coordinated the politicians that were getting to the premiere and whatnot. And then I also helped out with the polar bear, which was the coolest part. And- <laughs> the silliest part of the whole thing so yeah he was a great boss to have do you mind if I ask like what you've been doing since then or what you did after that sure I (laughs) I'm laughing because I've had a very interesting job path as as many people have but before uh after that I worked as an intern for late night with Jimmy Fallon and I then I worked as an intern for The Late Show with David Letterman. Jeez. And then I got a job at The Tonight Show, and that's where I work now. And what? Yeah. That's... Idea. <laughs> what? That's crazy. <laughs> I've been working since probably 2012. I actually kind of have a crazy way that I came into this world. So I've always wanted to, you know, although I had a lot of experience making lampshades, I've always wanted to work in comedy mm-hmm. and I sort of always did performances when I was little for my family, did improv starting in like fourth grade and always sort of kept up that comedy and did like summer sketch writing classes in high school. And so I didn't know really how I was going to get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And I was a huge fan of Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and I was watching it one day and they had a contest and it was to create the next new dance move. And it was called the Late Night Dance Challenge. And so I kind of shrugged and I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do this. Why not? And I have a lot of dance moves up my sleeve. I love dancing. So I had one from high school that my friends and I did. And so I sent in a video with my college roommate. I brought her in my room and I was like, hey, do you want to quickly film this one minute video? you know, didn't really think anything of it. We filmed it in our dorm room, sophomore year of college. I submitted it. I didn't even watch the video. I just sent it in. And then about two weeks later, I got a call that we were going to be on the show that Friday. We were picked to perform with Jimmy and the Roots and have our dance move made into... Uh, a segment on the show and the roots would make a song about the dance moves so oh my god like in person right they're not just going to show the video they actually want you to come in 
Yeah, they did. (laughs) So you were somewhere in the tri-state area, so you had, it was no problem to go there? Yes, they sent a car for us and picked us up outside of our college door. Amazing. Drove us to 30 Rock. (laughs) And so what was it like? Oh my God, what was that experience like? (laughs) It was so awesome. I, it was like the best day of my life that thus far at that point, and I was, so overjoyed because I had worshipped sort of everything that happened within 30 Rock my whole life. And we had a blast. We like rehearsed it and we were treated so well by everyone. And it was just so wonderful to be there. The guests were so nice to us. The guests were Taylor Lautner and Florence Henderson. Oh my gosh. mm -hmm, They were so sweet. Wow. And did you get, you got to rehearse with Jimmy or whatever? So you met him? Yeah, we met Jimmy and we rehearsed with him and sort of just laid out how generally uh, (laughs) it was going to flow. But it was still, you know, in a live show. So it was kind of all off the cuff, uh, what we had to say and stuff. But we just knew what part we had to dance at. (laughs) And then the Roots... They were in the rehearsal and they played their song and it was so cool to see my dance move being made into a song and well my my friends from high school's all of our dance move uh, finally immortalized on TV and then we we just had an awesome day with everyone at the show we were treated so nicely and then we were on the show and it was so exciting and scary and I couldn't believe it when there was like the full audience in there. <laughs> No, is this, can I find this on YouTube somewhere? Can you send me a link? Would you be willing? I have the submission video, I think, on YouTube, and I definitely can send you a photo of it, but I think it's been, it's not on YouTube anymore, but I can, I can try to send you like a copy of the video or something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm just curious what the, does the move have a name? Yeah, it's, I had to put a name on it, even though it didn't have a name in high school. So I called it the Nug Dance because my friends and I in high school, we called cute people Nuggets. So we would call each other Nuggets. And so it was kind of a tribute to that. (laughs) It's a perfect, that's a perfect name. Like it's just Mm -hmm. a perfect name. If somebody was writing a movie about high school kids coming up with a dance move, that's just the perfect name. You nailed it. (laughs) Well, thanks. (laughs) One thing that I thought was cool about being on the show was that once I got back to college, one of my friends, he came up to me and he lives in California and he said that people at like UCLA were doing the dance moves in their fraternities this weekend. And they told, like somebody said like, oh, don't you know them or whatever. And so basically the nug dance, I like for a brief period of time, people were doing it like in other parts of the country, which I thought was awesome. So then you became, um, then you got a job as an intern there? I was a social media intern for a fall semester in college, and I wanted to go abroad in college, so for some reason I didn't take the semester off. So I was going to college in Connecticut, but I was also interning in New York. So I would work Monday, Wednesday, Friday in New York and take a three-hour bus there and a three-hour bus back. And then... On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would take four classes. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It was like bananas. And I would spend like, you know, 
18 hours on a bus every week, but I wouldn't have done it for any other job. I lo- I loved my internship and I was having so much fun and a couple extra hours on the bus didn't bother me at all because I knew I was where I was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh my gosh. And then you just like one thing just led to another and led to another. And now like, do you still do like social media stuff or what is your day job like? Or is it even a day job? Is you work at night? When do you work? <laughs> What's <Well>, your schedule? <laughs> great question. I, after I worked at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, I got a job at Letterman. And that was an interesting experience because I, like, it was such a legendary show. So I had gone from sort of a newer show and then I got the experience of a legendary Late Night show, which was so rewarding and awesome, especially in the last few years. You know, they've, ended up leaving a couple years later. So it was cool to, to be in and see the tail end of that, that show. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, and when I, I, I found out I got the inter- the, an interview for Letterman, but you had to come and interview in person because each department sort of interviewed you to find the best fit for them. Mm-hmm. And so I was studying abroad in Spain at the time and I couldn't afford this, but I didn't want to miss out on an opportunity for what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I flew back for the interview for less than 24 hours and didn't tell any of my friends in Spain. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so I interviewed and everyone was like, you flew back from Spain for this? That's crazy and awesome. And so I think that probably coupled with what I had done in the past on my resume helped out. And then I got that job and then I flew back to Spain and my friend, my friends were like, Oh, we didn't see you yesterday. You weren't in class. Where were you? I was like, Oh, you know, I was nowhere. Oh my God. I was off making my dreams come true. I mean, it's incredible. (laughs) Like that's so great. Yeah. I, you know, you have, I, I think a main theme in my life is kind of to, drop everything to make my goal happen and my dreams come true and really focus on what's important to me. And I, I've always wanted to do comedy because I love, I love making people laugh and I love improving their days and their quality of life. So I knew, like I've known since I was little that I wanted to do this forever, which is kind of crazy. So I don't know. I, I just had to keep keep going and keep persevering with that thing that's built inside me. And I had to keep making decisions accordingly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and lately working on like late night with Stephen Colbert, right? Is that where you work now? I work for The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no worries. <laughs> I screwed that up a lot. Um, no worries. What do you do there to like, if you don't mind me asking, like, do you just, are you social media stuff still or? Yeah. So I was hired as by the department that I was interning in. So I work in the social media department and I, you know, help handle all those platforms and help make backstage videos with guests. And our team has done super well. We've been recognized by the Shorty Awards, the Webby Awards, and since I've been there, our team has won two Emmy Awards, which is really awesome. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, it was pretty cool. I actually, when I got the job, I dropped out of college for it. So my school was cool with it. They knew the Tonight Show was making a position for me. So they, they allowed it. And I left school early. And then I got an Emmy before I got my college diploma. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I have it now. I didn't fully drop out because I took classes in New York after work and did a senior thesis after my job every day. So I eventually graduated. Jeez, what was your degree in? I majored in writing for TV and film, and I had a minor in writing rhetoric and media arts. Oh my gosh, I, that is so cool. When I, when I went to school, when I was in college, the only real writing, you could basically be a literature major or a journalism major. And I took one literature class and they went around the class asking like, um, this was like, I was a freshman. So I hadn't really, in high school, I didn't really read too much. And they went around the class and they said, what's your, name your favorite book or your least favorite book or author. And I was mortified. I was scared out of my mind. And like, it came to my turn and I just go, I don't, I, I never really liked Shakespeare. And the whole class went like, <gasps> And I just turned so red. And the literature professor who was like a woman with gray hair and a braid down her back and like long flowy skirt, you know, like very <laughs> typical looking literature professor. She was just like, well, why, why do you not like Shakespeare? And I was like, well, I and all I could think I, I was so I'm so unsophisticated. Right. I was just like, well, they always die at the end. or So, so I just said, I find I find the themes repetitive. And she was just like, hmm. She just was very like, and I just, I ran to the registrar after that. And I was like, how do I do drop a class and take a different one? Like, I didn't even know that was possible, but I was like, there must be a way for me to not be in this class ever again. So I did drop it. And then I became a journalism major, but my, I remember like when I was a senior or maybe I was a junior, but you had to like declare that this was your major. And so I was like, okay, I'm declaring print journalism as my major. And the guy goes, the the guy he was this guy he seemed like he smoked marlboro reds and just was like a gnarly old reporter who'd been doing it for you know his whole life and he he said to me i think you should think about a different major and i was like no it's too late like I, this is what i'm doing buddy i don't care if i suck at it like this is what i'm doing it was horrifying but anyway i got a journalism degree after all that but there was no like there was no technical writing there was no like writing for fun it was very much like you are going to be a, a newspaper reporter or you're right. going to be some kind of literature professor who mocks people for not liking shakespeare <laughs> i didn't really end up being either of those because i actually had to write sports for the school i wrote i was like i went to the school newspaper to look for like something to volunteer to do and they they only had openings in sports so i ended up writing about sports and i don't know anything about sports so it wasn't a good fit but i did it for a few i became the assistant sports editor even okay now i'm going down a path <laughs> anyway so i'm i'm jealous of your major that's awesome yes but i wish i had your major like it seems like it would have been amazing to actually write fun things or i don't know was it a fun major well i actually had a double major first i did creative writing and then I did film studies but since I had to graduate early I wasn't I was like one credit shy of doing the double major it was a little oh. silly like I was so close but I 
couldn't I just wanted my diploma and I had a job of my dreams already so I figured I can just put it into one major yeah and so I'm like basically a double major creative writing and film studies I took so many film classes and so many creative writing classes but because of my strange circumstances and strange but very unique and awesome circumstances I had to make it a single major but I went to a liberal arts school Mm -hmm. that is very all about creating your own major and exploring what exactly you want to do so I had two awesome advisors in the creative writing and film studies department who are best friends and they helped me make one major out of it and helped me sort of graduate and be able to do it while I had a full-time job and it was really really helpful so the school was very very supportive of me I have to say it definitely the school is very economics heavy and a lot of business students go and so as far as comedy goes there's an improv group and there's you know a newspaper that you could write stuff in but not too many, you know, not like any comedy classes or anything. Um, And so I actually was looking for different opportunities. And that's, I love McSweeney's. And that's how I found out about your article and I, and your column, because I was looking, I was going to this college where I didn't really have too many opportunities to show my comedy. And so I remember asking different people how they got their jobs and I asked you and you were so kind even though you didn't know who I was and then we talked and I said I had experience doing a weird job myself and that's how my interview came about (laughs) Jeez, I that's cool but I don't really remember too much but uh yeah I don't even know how I I mean I know how I got this gig but oh gosh anyway right on (laughs) Um, wow, I can't believe I was like, this is going to be a lampshade interview, and it ended up being about your your burgeoning comedy career. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. It sounds like you've landed right where you were meant to be, and like the next step is, I mean, you already won an Emmy. What the heck are you going to do now? Like, what's I don't really know. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I'm not really sure. That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> well, actually... Yeah, cut, not, don't say that. I'll say something else. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. That's a good question. You know, maybe you should. Um, I just interviewed a woman last week who's amazing. She, she's going to be just a it's just an interview for the website. But she is a puppeteer and she just loved doing comedy. And then she incorporated puppets into it. So maybe you should consider incorporating puppets somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm down. I'm down for anything. You know, I've done some weird jobs before, as we've described. So <laughs> I'm down for trying out puppetry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just do something so that you can have um, people in bear costumes or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I do a lot of comedy outside of work. So that's keeping me creative and whatnot. And I do a lot of sketch comedy throughout New York City and Brooklyn and whatnot. So you do? Isn't it like when you say sketch comedy, are you talking about improv or you already wrote sketches? I do a lot of character stuff right now. So sort of like, you know, Debbie Downer is a character on SNL that everyone knows. So if Debbie Downer were to give a monologue kind of about ranting about something from her life I kind of do that kind of thing solo 
performances where I write a character that's super weird and perform it. And I think it's been going pretty well. So I love doing it. And I've done some improv. I was in an all-female improv group for a while. And they're awesome friends and awesome ladies and hilarious performers. And I do some video sketch comedy. And I tried stand-up once. And I'm thinking about going back into stand-up, but I think character stuff is definitely my jam. And I am starting with some other girls, uh, an all-female character team. So that'll be hopefully getting off the ground this summer. <laughs> nice. Did you Do you ever listen to Comedy Bang Bang? I do. I love Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. When you say like, oh, I do characters, I think even just a few years ago, I wouldn't have known what you were talking about. But listening to Comedy Bang Bang, it's like every week is just some weirdo characters and it's totally entertaining. So, <laughs> yeah, it's they do a great job, I have to say. Yeah, hopefully someday you can be on there with Paul F. Tompkins and rule the world. That would be amazing. I'm starting with the You Got Job podcast first, though. This is my first podcast experience. <laughs> Me too. Me too, to be honest. Actually, my dream is um, there's um, like Paul F. Tompkins did a stand up thing one time about all these weird jobs that he had. So I'm like, man, I would love to have him on and talk about his weird jobs. But, you know, a girl can dream. I, I'll figure that out someday. You can definitely do that. Oh, you can 100 percent. I've learned that you can really just go for anything if that's what if that's what your goal is and what you really want. And you just have to send some well-worded emails <laughs> and be a hard worker and a good person like you are, and it'll happen. Well, thank you. I'm going to keep trying. So, <laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. Any last words on comedy or um, making lampshades? I guess not, but maybe I can incorporate both somehow, you know, and do a character as a lamp like from Beauty and the Beast or something. Who knows? Yeah, I think now that I was thinking about it, that's always the thing when people say, like, did you drink a lot last night? I'm always like, yeah, I was the one with the lampshade on my head. And it, <laughs> figure out a way to incorporate that somehow. I didn't really, you know, that's, isn't that like a traditional, like you're drunk and so you put a lampshade on your head? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a thing people say. And I, I'm sure I tried on some lampshades while I was working there. Nice. Very soberly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this today and um, best of luck in all your future jobs. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. I, I am really thankful to be on the podcast. I'm a huge fan. I've listened to it. And yeah, I oh, one thing I thought this was really funny when I listened to your podcast and you don't have to put this in at all. But I thought this was funny because I was trying to prepare and I was listening to your podcast and I listen to the theme song and it's like very heavy metal yeah and I just I felt like me entering the podcast I should be like on like a flaming pegasus yeah. and like like that's on a motorcycle and like bite the head off of like like a Mike Tyson have a Mike Tyson moment where I like bite the head off of like a road enter maybe just a chocolate bunny or something but it's like pretty, you have some pretty badass theme music going on. <laughs> 
<laughs> my friend did that for me. I love, I, you're right though. My logo is kind of boring. I should probably have some kind of flaming Pegasus on a motorcycle. Although Comedy Bang Bang has some weird thing on a motor, like a mouth on a motorcycle. So I can't be, I don't want to copy them. But yeah, I, I don't know why. I can't remember why when I asked my friend to make music for me, I was like, think of like 80s butt rock or just like something like Ozzy Osbourne. And he totally crushed it. He sent me like 15 different songs to choose from. So I really, I should, I need to put one as an outro because usually I just end it and it's very abrupt. So I got to figure out, but that's extra editing. And uh, anyway, yes, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed the the heavy rock. Hey, of course. No, it was, it kind of cracked me up because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm like, it's like all this heavy rock coming in and then I'm talking about making lampshades in a rural village that's like the sweetest scene of like a country cottage and it's like a great juxtaposition so well done you you, you're getting people awake for your podcast (laughs) before I put them back to sleep with lampshade talk anyway (laughs) exactly well thank you again Uh, I appreciate it and uh, I will talk to you soon hey thanks so much for your time I'm honored to be on the podcast